Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast, where we bring awareness to sustainable health in the business hustle space. Natural Health Podcast is perfect for the high-performing business-minded individuals who want to work with their biochemistry to achieve success and optimal health. It's Friday, which means it's time for French Strength Facts about health, business, and overall success. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. Ali Heinze. And, uh, who, who is a naturopathic doctor and acupuncturist in Washington. At her practice, Starting Point Acupuncture Wellness, she specializes in chronic pain and complex condition. Dr. Ali is the author of the book, A Starting Point Guide to Going Gluten-Free, and the creator of the Food Allergy Formula. Some interesting facts about um, Dr. Ellie are uh, that she loves coffee. <laughs> she also wrote her first, first book and is currently working on her second one. And before becoming a naturopathic doctor and acupuncturist, she was a chemist. Welcome to the Natural Health Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're most welcome. So you love coffee. Tell me what, what type of coffee you're drinking. What, what do you, what do you drink? Well, I'm in the perfect place. I'm in Seattle, so I'm surrounded by coffee and I like the taste of coffee. So I just drink Americanos. That's my favorite, favorite one. Beautiful. Yeah. Here yeah. in Melbourne, in Australia, where we are, we've got a huge coffee culture. And if you sit down at a cafe and the coffee isn't good, it's like, that's, it's a deal breaker. doesn't matter yeah. about the food, <laughs> it's the coffee. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So tell yeah. us about your, your first book and you're writing your second book. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. When I first started my practice, I was seeing a lot of people with digestive health issues and a lot of people who had food allergies and just had questions about, you know, what food allergies are and going gluten-free. And so I decided to condense all the information that I was telling everybody pretty much the same thing into a book. And so then I had a resource to give my patients um, because a lot of people have the same questions on like how to get started going gluten-free, like what are food allergies? How do we even like go grocery shopping with food allergies? Kind of just, like breaking it down. So it's a little starting point to going gluten-free. Yeah, that's such a smart way. It's instead of yeah. repeating yourself all the time, it's like, here yeah. you go, here's a book and <laughs> off you go. No, I love yeah. it. I love it. Um, yeah. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit more about what got you to be here, Ali? Like what have been the key turning points in your life? Every individual, we've got those key points or those key scenarios that's happened and kind of pushing yeah. us towards where we are now. What was yours? Yeah, there's um, kind of two turning points. The first one is when I was a chemist, I was getting my master's degree in chemistry and I thought I was going to go down that, that road um, to going into industry, being a chemist, but I was having horrible digestive issues. And I went to all these different doctors and they told me that no, nothing is wrong. Um, but I knew something was wrong. I was suffering and it was dramatically affecting my quality of life. And as a last resort, I went to this naturopathic doctor who was also an acupuncturist in this town that I was living. And I had no idea what they did, but I was desperate. I was like, I'm here. You know, I just want to know if you have any insights and if you can help me and that visit um, pretty much changed the direction of my life. Um, I've never really experienced what acupuncture was or knew what naturopathic medicine was, but he took about a whole hour on the first visit, listened to my story, and he's like, well, I think you may have some food allergies, but let's do some testing. But while we're waiting for those results, um, are you open to getting acupuncture so you can start feeling better right away? And I was like wow, this is amazing. I didn't even know that you could get started with treatment right away. And he used both of um, those approaches and to get me feeling better. And when we got those results in a couple weeks later, found out that I did have some food allergies. Um, but having that form of medicine that I really didn't know existed, that really addressed the whole picture um, was a game changer for me. And I knew that there must be other people out there with a similar story that just don't know that there is other options and hope for their condition. So I, I followed in that route. Um, and he was a graduate of Bastyr University, which is one of the leading naturopathic schools, um, I believe in the world. Um, it's actually here in Seattle. And I, I moved up into Seattle and I started their program. Um, which was a really long program. And so I was glad to be glad to be done with school. It was a seven year journey for the naturopathic medicine and acupuncture program. 
Yeah. Wow. Dedication. Yeah. And so yeah. did you, so did you finish your chemist degree or did you kind of, mm-hmm. you finished that too? Yeah, it all, it was kind of interesting how the timing worked out, but um, I was kind of just finishing my master's degree when I was finding all this health stuff out. And so the timing like worked out like perfectly and it all kind of fell into place. And so it kind of let me know that I was making the right choice because how easy it was. Yeah. So, I mean, you would have knowledge about, you know, how drugs react in our body and how body reacts to drugs. So mm-hmm. going into natural naturopathy would have been amazing because then it would have been a whole new picture of herbs mm-hmm. and, and supplements and so forth, but you would have had the basis of it. Yeah. Yeah. My background in chemistry really did help for not only learning naturopathic medicine, but also for acupuncture too. So yeah. How did it help with I acupuncture? Um, surprisingly, there is like some, physics involved with acupuncture and some of the theories and so just like movement of energy and electricity like with electroacupuncture and learning about that um so i do think having a strong science background definitely helps both of yeah, those that's amazing so going back to you placing your full trust um going you know what i've tried this doctor i've tried that i'm not feeling great rocking up at the door of this um, naturopathic doctor, acupuncturist and going, help me, means Mm -hmm. you were really looking for that hope to get something for someone to help you. And you you even said you didn't even know what they Mm -hmm. did. And it's like, (laughs) yes, okay, help Mm -hmm. me. That, that, to get to that point, it doesn't come easy. It comes to trying to investigate, Mm -hmm. trying to find out. So you just went, I placed my full trust into you. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I I did trust this particular office, um, not really knowing what they did, but I met that provider before, and I you know looked in the window, and I, it looked like a really safe, welcoming place, and so I didn't have any hesitations on going in. I just wasn't sure like how it was different than like Western medicine, and so that was the piece that I was just like, well, maybe it's the same. You know, maybe he'll tell me that nothing's wrong with me. Um, but he, he didn't do that. And so I was, was like, wow, there's really doctors out there who will listen and take what you're saying seriously and really want to be an advocate for your health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I guess it helped. It helped you. Is that right? And then you're like, mm-hmm. I've been through this. I want to help other mm-hmm. people's. And you rolled yourself in the course. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So now what does... What does, you know, optimal health, we know the word gets chucked around everywhere, but for Ellie, what does optimal health look like right now? And what does the word success, because I guess it would have looked totally different when you were going through mm-hmm. what you were going through. Maybe success back in the days would have been just to heal your gut or optimal mm-hmm. health would have just been not to be in pain. So what does it look mm-hmm. like right now for you? Yeah, optimal health for me is just feeling good, like feeling what my normal is and enjoying the activities that I love to do without, you know, having pain flares or knowing the foods that make me feel good, but also feel me up. Um, and having all those different tools in my own toolbox that I can trust and rely on. Um, if I do happen to have a flare. Um, so that for me is optimal health is knowing that I have the power within me to help me feel better. And I had that support from my, from my doctors to be able to make those changes. And so for me, that that's what optimal health is. Um, I think success like overall is just making sure that you're always consistent with what you're doing, but also making your choices very simple. So it's not overwhelming. Um, and so for me, that's what success is kind of sticking, sticking with the course and being really consistent with all the actions that I take. Cause I know they'll make me feel better and feel good. Yeah. And you mentioned the key word, having control mm-hmm. over your health. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of us don't actually have control over our health. We, we mm-hmm. give it to other individuals such as doctors. We give it to mm-hmm. um, whoever it is around us. We don't take that and take full control of our health. Such an interesting mm-hmm. point that you said there. And it, pe- it feels really empowering to take that back, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And now you've got a toolbox 
field, mm-hmm. not only to help yourself, but to help others. And I love it. Mm-hmm. So I love getting to know you and I'm so excited to talk about today's topic. And I bet you the audience is also, which is, you know, chronic pain. So debunking the myths about chronic pain. So, you know, a lot, all of us, I'm not going to say any of us have been in pain right? To certain degrees. Some people had hit their toe and it's in pain. Some people are, you know, in back pain every day. Some people have major headaches and are in pain every day. So what, I mean, the definition of, or even the question of what is pain, you could sit there probably for three hours and talk about it. And it could be so many subtopics, but just to give us a little bit of an overview for the audience to understand what is actually pain. Yeah, that is, that's a really good question. Um, So pain is, this feeling, it's a natural, normal feeling that we get if there is any like trauma or injury to the body. It's a natural response. And people can experience that differently. Like some people describe pain as being like a dull, achy tension, or it could be sharp shooting, or it could be burning or even pinching. And so how you experience pain can differ, um, but it's definitely a a natural response to the body to try to heal whatever area was injured. Um, The difference comes in when it goes from acute pain, like a recent injury, to when it makes that transition to chronic pain. And that's kind of where things get really complex. Yeah. So you just said pain is normal. A lot of people mm. listening would be like, what? Pain is normal. Yeah. But it is, right? It's a, it is, it's, yeah. a, it's a natural response that we have in our body. Mm-hmm. Because, and then here's a question for you. If we didn't have pain, mm. would we be alive, right? Yeah. I, you know, it's a response, like the classic example of you, you touch the stove and it's hot and your reaction is to lift your hand. If we can't feel pain, we would get injured. And so pain is, is good to a yeah. certain point. Yeah. yeah. And just changing people's even perception about what we just said and changing the mindset that pain can actually be helpful and pain is good is a whole new concept, is a whole new thing. It's like what pain's actually helping me. to Like you said, to an extent, yes, it is. Pain's actually helping you keep you alive. You know, mm-hmm. that's the same as stress. Stress is helping you keep alive. There's so many mm-hmm. things. But you mentioned the key word that, that you said when it moves from acute to chronic right? Yeah. And that's where the issue is. Um, mm-hmm. so, that, that, so how long does that take usually? Or is that different for everyone? What is the difference from a, because someone might be listening and be like, I don't know if my pain is acute or chronic. Uh, I think the definition is just chronic pain is pain that you've had longer than three months. Yeah. And so um, anywhere on that time frame, a lot of my patients have had their pain for decades, but still if someone comes into my office and they said, yeah, you know, I got injured you know, six months ago, it's still by definition, a chronic condition, like um, it's past the acute phase of healing and injury. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about debunking the myths about pain, right? And we kind of mm-hmm. spoke about one is, you know, the, how the attitude towards pain, but what are the most common misconceptions about chronic pain? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you able to elaborate on that for us, Ali, please? Yeah, there's Actually, quite a few myths about chronic pain. Um, I'll just talk about two of them um, because they're most common. But the first one is that most people think that chronic pain can't be treated or that it's like all in your head. And um, for that one, it's really puzzling to me because a lot of my patients, when they first come into my office, they've been told that by a doctor at some point that their pain can't be treated. And like the classic example is, you know, they've experiencing this, this um, discomfort, this pain for a really long time. So they finally go into their doctor and their doctor does lab work. They do some imaging, but everything is normal. And so it creates this unique situation where the provider really doesn't know what to do because all the tests are normal, but yet the patient is experiencing discomfort that's really impacting their health. And so that can be a whole, whole different um, story with that scenario, but a lot of people lose a little bit of hope with that scenario. And they think, well, maybe chronic pain can't be treated. Um, or they're also told that there's nothing wrong and this all be in your head. And so that's one myth that I see because I know that chronic pain can be treated and it, it's not always in your head. Um, 
But the second myth is that chronic pain has to be treated with pharmaceuticals or pain drugs. And um, there's so many other ways to treat pain besides pain medicine. Um, but that's a myth that I see all the time is people think that they are put, actually they're put on pain medicine and they think that's the only way. Um, and so they go to their doctor, all their labs and tests are normal. And their doctor's like, well, you have pain and we'll put you on some gabapentin or we'll put you on an opioid. Um, but some people don't want to take prescription medications. Like either they have addiction in their family or themselves um, had that at some point. And so they ask their doctor, well, what else do you have? What other options are there? And so they may put them on gabapentin, which is helps with nerve pain, even though that they may not have nerve pain. Um, and so it just creates this interesting dynamic where people are like, well, I don't know how you're supposed to treat chronic pain um, other than prescription medications. But do know that there's a lot of other options out there to help with chronic pain. Yeah, I love those two myths. And the first one, it's all in your head. I've had so many people come to me and say that. And, you know, and and then the other one that, you know, it's it's treated with pharmaceuticals. But, you know, I always see it as it's also not their fault because the system is built around it. And if it does, the flow chart just comes to the end and there's nothing else to do. Well, after that flow chart, there's nothing else to do. I can't help yep. you because it's this, this isn't help. This drug hasn't helped. This pharmaceutical hasn't helped. It's the flow chart that they go through and they follow. And that's what mm -hmm. they're taught. Right. And that's the, yeah. the so-called the medicine, the pharmaceuticals that they're given to assist. So try this, try this, you know, they are practicing. That's what I always keep saying to people. People are always practicing. And that was, that mean is they're trying things on you just because mm -hmm. it works on someone else or it works on the, on the, on, the, on the study that was done on those individuals doesn't mean it's going to work on you, right? And mm -hmm. I know we didn't really uh, plan to talk about um, pharmaceutical drugs and pain. Are you able to touch upon that a little bit? Is that all right? Can we go down that pathway? Uh, sure. Hopefully I can answer those questions, yeah. Yeah. We'll just keep it as simple, you know. So individuals yeah. who who are in pain are given pharmaceuticals, right? Mm -hmm. But they're usually not told of the side effects. What would be some reasonable side effects to get from them? Yeah, I guess just speaking on gabapentin, because now that's one of the most common um, medications prescribed for chronic pain. Um, for my patients, they experience a lot of memory and concentration issues, as well as dizziness, or even like some balance um, issues as well. And all of those are not good when you are maybe in the older population, given that medication, um, that does not help that piece. Um, but a lot of the time I find that gabapentin really doesn't help with certain types of pain, but yet people are placed on it um, for long periods of time and also not instructed on how to properly discontinue taking it. And that is Another another problem with the with the system is that some patients don't follow up as they should with their doctors and they decide to stop taking a medication when actually they should be like tapering off of it slowly. And so people stop it abruptly and they get their pain becomes way worse. And so then they go back on it. And it's kind of the cycle of they they're afraid to get off of it. Um, but there is ways there are ways that. Um, your doctor can help you taper down on a medication. So those are kind of things that I see is mm -hmm. some of the unwanted side effects that maybe weren't explained to the patient or them realizing that maybe gabapentin can't actually help their particular type of pain. And so they're wondering, well, how come it's not working? That could be one of the reasons why. And then it kind of goes to the, uh, back to the myth that we're talking about. Well, it can't be treated because this drug's yeah. not helping me, my pain's not treated, right? And it's mm -hmm. interesting that you mentioned coming off it. It's not something that's a usual conversation spoken about. It's mm -hmm. more like, here's this, take this three times a day, and that's it. It's not, mm -hmm. and the way we will get off this in three months, and it'll be a process. Mm -hmm. um, and that's interesting. That's a whole little thing that we're missing. And some people may be listening and mm -hmm. may be on pain medications for 10, 20 years and be like, what, I'm supposed to get off this? This is not a lifetime mm. thing. Is this? Yes. I thought I thought it's supposed to be on this for life, and it's interesting the side effects, like you mentioned, memory. Um, I can just imagine what it does also to the gut, to the nervous system, to the immune yep. system. 
all these systems that it would affect um, us. But yeah, so going back to pain, uh, thanks for sharing that with us. I think that's a very important aspect for the audience to understand and, and interesting to know that, that there are side effects and certain drugs may not help with your pain because pain is so complex. So mm-hmm. what are some types of pain? What, what, what you said there are different types. What are some different ones? Yeah. Um, simply put there, you know, is acute or recent onset pain and then there's chronic pain. But then there's like classifications of pain in general. And so one of the most common one is like neuropathic pain, which is pain from like nerve irritation. And that's seen with like a neuropathy or like trigeminal neuralgia. Those are a type of like neuropathic pain. Or you could have a tissue injury um, that can lead to pain, which is like maybe you got hurt on the job and you like sprained your back that can lead to back pain. Or even like after surgery, having pain from them actually cutting from the surgery that can lead to chronic pain, even like inflammatory types of pain that is seen with like autoimmune conditions. Um, Rheumatoid arthritis would be a really good example of that. Um, There's functional pain, um, which like fibromyalgia falls into that category where you have pain, but the origin of it is unknown. Um, so fibromyalgia and IBS fit into that category, um, or you can have like idiopathic pain where you have chronic pain, but it has an unknown cause. And so it doesn't fit into like those other classifications, but people have chronic pain. So you can kind of take the very simple terms like acute or chronic pain and classify maybe where you fit into those different categories. Yeah. It's so interesting that. The whole mm-hmm. pain is there's so many different categories, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and you even mentioned ones where you have no idea where it comes from. And it's like, what? Yeah. There's pains where you have no idea where it comes from. Um, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's quite interesting. And then, you know, even IBS pain or fibromyalgia mm-hmm. or rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I would believe that different type of people experience pain different ways and people have different thresholds mm-hmm. in pain. Also, I know my pain threshold is minimal. If I just do anything, I feel it straight away. So I do everything I can mm-hmm. to avoid pain because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's quite interesting. And I've been pretty blessed that I haven't had pain in my life. But at the same time, there are so many things that I do every single day to ensure that, you know, hopefully I don't get that pain or it does it, if it happens, it's acute and that's fine. I'm fine with that. But if it becomes chronic straight away, I jump on it and I hope that individuals know that they can do something about it after this podcast. So what is, what is the difference between psychological, mental, physical, and emotional pain? Because I was actually reading a, I was reading a study, I think it was a few weeks ago about people even being heartbroken um, and and actually feeling pain. And that was that's emotional pain, like a breakup or a divorce or whatever is happening. That can cause pain and it's crazy. So what would be the difference between those four? I think that they're they're very similar, like mental and emotional um, and psychological pain. It may just be experienced a little differently than like a physical pain like we talked about earlier, like people feel like a achiness or shooting or stabbing pain. Sometimes with mental and emotional pain, it could be more like, like a suffering or torment feeling or an uneasiness um, that can then manifest into like physical pain. And so it's kind of just how they experience it and their body could be a little different. Um, but everything, everything is connected in the body. And studies show, um, I was like reading a study while I was preparing for this podcast, that people with chronic pain have lower levels of endorphins, which is our feel-good hormone. And so that correlation is very interesting. And so like, why? Why is that? Um, and so that just shows that even though they're different parts of the body, like our brain and our, our joints, everything is connected. Um, and so people with chronic pain could also have mental and emotional pain as well, which I see commonly actually. Yeah. You would see that combined together. And it's interesting because when someone comes to me in pain, the one thing that I want to say to them is, Hey, put on your favorite TV show, your favorite comedy, 
Mm-hmm. And is it pain still there? And it's interesting what they say. And it's like, have a laugh, hang out with some friends. But that's not what individuals want to hear that a pain that I like solve my pain. But like you even said, mm-hmm. that could be part of, you know, part of the pain management system. Yeah. yeah. So in your practice, you see people who have physical pain and emotional pain together. You mentioned that. Is that right? All the time. Yeah, I would say about 90% of my new patients that I see, um, they come in because they have, have chronic pain and their stories are always very similar. But of those patients, majority of people experience either depression or anxiety along with their pain. They may not know that it's related, but they talk about it. And so it's very interesting that a lot of patients with chronic pain experience those mental, emotional um, symptoms, but also have like low energy and also trouble sleeping. So it's like, there's a lot of different things happening um, in addition to them experiencing the pain that they came to my office for. And so it's something that needs to be addressed um, as well when you're going to treat treat somebody is to treat treat the whole person. Yeah, I love that. So you mm-hmm. mentioned that they'll have physical pain and it might have like depression, anxiety and so forth. The first thing that popped into my head is inflammation caused from the pain. Because inflammation, as we know, isn't just like on our little pinky because we heard it. It spreads mm-hmm. throughout our body. Um, and we know the recent research that says about brain inflammation and depression and anxiety. So do you think that's got something to do with it, the inflammation aspect of pain? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Inflammation is definitely a piece of that chronic pain puzzle. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Um, so look, how let's get to the next question how is it that people experience pain differently and some don't respond to standard care and we spoke a little bit about the standard care mm-hmm. about some people not uh, responding to certain pharmaceuticals and so forth are you able to expand a little bit on this question yeah i think that is a that's a really good question and i think we may not know the answer to that yet but i know some people have some theories on that it could be genetics or environment um that affect someone's ability to like their pain tolerance level or how sensitive they are to different stimuli could just be different for everybody. And so it is really interesting when I have patients in my office who have exactly the same thing to say like Morton's neuroma, which is like a nerve pain in your foot. And somebody describes it when I say, you know, a scale of one to 10, what's your pain level? And someone will say, Oh, is this a five? But someone will say it's a 20 you know, even though I said it's out of 10. So we could, even though it's exactly the same thing on the same foot, different people, they experience or tolerate pain differently. And so it's definitely something that I take into consideration when I have a patient in front of me, because even though someone would say, oh, it's just like a two out of 10, you know, that's just their number that they gave it. It doesn't mean it's any, any less. Mm. I, I like asking that question because then I say for those individuals, what does it what does it take for it to be a ten? And it's like yeah. for it to be chopped off. <laughs> and yeah. It's like okay, well then we know you have a high threshold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what do you think is actually impacting the threshold? Um, I think I remember reading some research study in regards to hormones like estrogen and things like that. Is there anything else mm. that you know of or that you've read of what may be um, impacting? The, the, the pain, uh, some other things that comes to me is like previous, like uh, previous pain, uh, how they're brought up about pain, the conception about pain. What, what are your thoughts? Hmm. That's a really good question too. Um, at least from my, my experience, a lot of people may not notice or realize that their pain is a problem for years or even decades. And so they may be used to it. They may be used to this high level of pain that they're kind of numb to it. And so that person's ability to process like the situation or what's happening, or even like taking control of their health and going to a provider and wanting help with an issue, um, I think is maybe different for, for everybody. And so that could affect their, their response to how they're feeling. 
Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. So I'm going to touch back on the depression, anxiety that you spoke about because you said mm. a lot of individuals that come to your practice have both, right? Mm. You've got the physical pain and then the depression comes with it. And 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 people listening might be like, that's exactly how I feel. So, you know, uh, patients with a long history of pain disorders have also increased depression, anxiety symptoms, as well as suicidal thoughts. And, and I copied and pasted mm. this exactly from a research study. And then on, on the other hand, people who have depression, anxiety have also increased pain problems. So it's kind of like I have pain. So people who have pain have anxiety and depression, but then also people who have depression and anxiety have pain. So it's like an ongoing circle and you've experienced this with your patients. Mm-hmm. Where the question is, the golden question is, where do you break this cycle, Ellie? Yeah, that is, that's a million dollar question. Um so what would be some points? Yeah, what would be some points? It doesn't have to be the one yeah. point to break it. Like, yeah. yeah, what would be some points to break it? Yeah, so I, I kind of, when I, I think of this a lot because my patients come with that exact scenario. And so um, just to kind of paint a picture of how to answer this question is, you know, you go to your doctor, they run the labs, everything is normal. And your doctor's like, well, you can take some pain medicine or, you know, we can send you to physical therapy. That's really the two options because everything, you know, came out, came out normal. Um, and so either at that point of when that patient was given those two options that may not really help them, I think that sparks that chronic pain cycle because I think at that point they lose a little bit of hope that someone can actually help them. And Either they go that physical therapy route, which sometimes works amazing for certain types of pain, but sometimes people with chronic pain, it can actually make their pain worse and they're not compliant to those exercises or recommendations. So they stop going. And that's another like pathway where people lose a little bit of hope. And so that fuels that cycle. And so when people then go back to their day-to-day, they're not either on medication to help, they're not getting physical therapy, they may stop all their activities because the pain you know, flares up when they do anything. So they stop being mobile and that then fuels um, inflammation and also affects their mood. And so if they're not being active and they're maybe getting lower energy, it's going to start impacting their sleep. And so it's like this cycle that then happens. And so breaking that piece of the cycle is key. And so helping them anywhere on that, like either helping them address their anxiety, depression piece, or helping them with their sleep, getting that regulated, helping with the energy or helping with the pain, like to start somewhere on the cycle will help them dramatically. And so when I have patients in my office and they present that picture to me, I kind of meet them where they're at. And I say, how are you hoping that I can help you? And whatever they tell me, if it's the anxiety piece or if it's the sleep, if that's like the number one thing that's really affecting them the most, even though they may have put like chronic low back pain on their intake form, for them, that's really what's affecting them right then. And so for me, that's how I would approach breaking that cycle is meeting the person where they're at because there's something in that piece that's really impacting them the most. And so we start there, but we're still working on other things, but you just want to make sure that you're, you're meeting them where they're at. Yeah. And I love that answer Mm -hmm. because it's all personalized, right? And you Mm -hmm. know that because you deal with people with pain. Yes, they all Mm -hmm. have pain, but there's so many different aspects also there. So you're meeting each person at the level that they're at and, mm-hmm. and breaking that cycle where they feel comfortable and where they'll get, I guess, most of the results at a short period of time. So they stick with it. Because as you mm-hmm. said, I think the issue with pain management is the fact that people don't see results or it causes them more pain so they drop out. Yeah. And something they might say is like, well, Ellie, I didn't come to you to get more pain. I came to you to get rid of my pain, right? Yeah. Yep. So do mm-hmm. you, is, is that a myth that you have to be in more pain to get rid of the pain? Is that, is that, do you see, mm-hmm. do you see, do you, do you see patients going through a little bit more pain before they get better? Is that common or is that? 
I think it depends. So with all the different types of pain out there, you know, like those classifications that we just went over, um, somebody with neuropathy may respond a little bit different than someone with fibromyalgia. So that's really where, you know, listening, listening to what's going on with the particular person and what, what are we working on and what are, you know, what's, what's going on we have to work with um, is really the, the key piece of that puzzle because everyone responds a little bit differently. And I know with, I use acupuncture as one of my tools. And so I do know that there's certain conditions that people may feel worse before they get better, but there are other things that people may not feel that. And so it's also the provider's job to explain that to the patient, say like, Hey, you may feel really good. Your energy may be up. We may get your sleep regulated, but your pain may get a little bit worse before it gets better. But it's not true for everybody. So it just depends. I I love that. So the other thing is, is I wanted to talk about, you mentioned in there that people with pain, they might isolate themselves. Um, like they might not, they stop doing the activities that they used to do. Um, you know, maybe they used to go bowling. They used to go for lunches with their family. They used to do whatever they used to do, right? So, mm-hmm. so I've actually read a bit about being part of a community correlates with a number of very desirable mental and physical outcomes in pain and that it's associated with mental health and cognitive resilience, which means you have a stronger thinking skills, mental health, and ability to even bounce back from any mental stress like depression, anxiety caused by pain, right? And it also helps uh, reduce chronic pain, being part of a community, having a community around you. What are your thoughts on community and pain? I think that that's great if that's what that person needs and is willing to do. Um, community is great because you have support and people to hold you accountable um, for for what you're doing and what your goals are. And so I, I think that's great. And so I wish there would be more opportunities like that available or um, that people could find those opportunities easier. Yeah. And also mm-hmm. being educated on it that, yeah. yes, you are in pain, but it doesn't mean that you have to stay at home. Um, mm. yes, you are at pain, but let's, let's, cause let's go out and do something. And it's kind of like the individuals who may have pain, maybe like, no, no, I've got to stay at home because I'm in pain or I'll be a burden on someone else. But we all know when we've had a bit mm. of a, you know, whatever day, it wasn't the best day or we were just grumpy or whatever. When we go out, you just, it just, everything kind of goes away and you kind of forget about mm. a few things and you're, and you're occupied and you might have endorphins running through you, which may help with that pain. Right. So it's quite an interesting concept. And there's a lot of research going around about being part of a community and how that assists with pain. So I wish to see a little bit more about that. That would be interesting. You did mention sleep. Um, you said that individuals with pain don't sleep that much or they also come with issues with sleep. What is the role of sleep in pain management that you've seen? Uh, well, sleep sleep is our foundation of health. And so if you're not getting high quality sleep, um, that can actually lead to a lower um, pain tolerance, but also inflammation. And so it's kind of like you know, what started first? Did you have pain that then led to your sleep being impacted because if we're in pain, we may not find sleeping positions that are comfortable. So then it affects our sleep or did our sleep issues then fuel the pain? Um, It could be both or one or the other, Um, but it definitely is there's definitely a correlation. And that's something that I also feel is a missing piece of the puzzle that's not addressed with a lot of people with chronic pain, because when they go to their doctor, I guarantee that they're not asking them about that. They're just focused on the pain, what the lab tests are, and, you know, here are your options. And so just exploring that piece of the puzzle with people, like how is their sleep? How is their energy? How are they feeling? Can really go a long way into helping correct um, and treat chronic pain. Yeah. So how does, so you increase this pain tolerance, um, and it reduces inflammation. How does it do that? Like, so we just fall asleep and all of a sudden our inflammation drops. So we fall asleep and all of a sudden our pain gets better. Um, and I know that we underestimate the power of sleep. And as you mentioned, mm. 
it's not even a conversation that people have when they go about pain management. Mm. Yeah. So with when we go to sleep, it's kind of like our body is repairing, rejuvenating, and like rebooting. And so, like with your computer, if you don't do the updates and don't restart it every once in a while, it's not going to perform as well. And so that is really why sleep is so important. Um, also, with all the stress and inflammation that we have on a day-to-day basis, a lot of people are in this like sympathetic fight or flight mode all the time. And so if they can't turn into that parasympathetic mode, which turns on when we go to sleep, that helps fuel our rebooting, um, they're not going to get high quality sleep. And that can just fuel the inflammation cycle as well. So, yeah, so does that answer and, your question? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and going back to that circle of where we can even break anxiety and depression and pain, sleep is a huge little breaking circuit right there, yeah. isn't mm-hmm. it? It would definitely be a point of contact to think about if you haven't touched upon that and you are in pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've spoken about acupuncture, right? And mm-hmm. all I think about is when I think about acupuncture is someone laying down and then just having pins put in them just in random points. But at the start of the episode, you did say, you know, it's got physics in it, it's mathematical, there's energy flow and, you know, and and, and things like that. So how can acupuncture actually help with chronic pain? There are so many ways. Um, How long (laughs) do we have on this podcast? Um, Yeah, acupuncture can, can do so much with the body. And what Studies show is that one of the ways that acupuncture works is turning off that sympathetic response into that parasympathetic response. And so that's it helps promote um, your body to help reboot. And so a lot of people, when they get acupuncture, they notice that their sleep improves or gets better, even though we're not directly working on their sleep. Um, so that's one way that acupuncture works. Um, It also can help increase blood flow. And so if you have proper blood flow, which brings nutrients and oxygen to your tissues and muscles and nerves, you're less likely to have the inflammation or pain, but it can also help the nerve functioning um, as well. And so acupuncture can help pain on that level. Yeah. Um, It can also help increase endorphins too, your feel good hormone and, um, also help your natural pain opioids that you have in your body. And so it can help you feel good, but also have less pain. Yeah. It's interesting that poking something (laughs) on you is going to help you with pain, isn't it? (laughs) It it kind of defeats the whole purpose. It's like, I'm going to hurt myself a little bit to get like, it's just crazy. No, I love that you, even you saying that it switches you from a sympathetic nervous system to a parasympathetic nervous system. That in itself Mm. is going to do major on pain. And then increasing endorphins, reducing inflammation. It's just it's just crazy and absolutely amazing. So I guess anyone who is in chronic pain and hasn't tried acupuncture, you're missing out on a big chunk of pain management mm. right there. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Mostly yeah. because it's really the most safe and effective way to treat a person holistically that can address the chronic pain, but also the root cause. And so that's what's really unique about acupuncture is it's really like time tested. It's been around for thousands of years and it's still here. It's still working, still growing, going strong. Um, And what's really interesting is now there's a lot of studies more every year coming out, showing exactly how acupuncture works and that it works. Not that we needed validation that it works, but it's really interesting to read the really cool research coming out about it. Um, But actually, a lot of people really don't feel the acupuncture points going in. So it's actually really relaxing. It doesn't have to hurt to work. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. (laughs) So so how do you work with individuals that come and see you? Do you just do acupuncture? Do you do naturopathic medicine? What, What combination do you provide to your patients? Yeah, I tend to do more of a combined approach. Um, Acupuncture, I usually tell them, is is one of the tools in my toolbox that we have. Um, But if I don't address like the nutrition and the stress management and other factors that are going on, I'm kind of missing that whole 
that whole picture. And so I work a lot of with my patients on diet and nutrition. Like, are there some food allergies that are contributing to inflammation? Um, and figuring that out because that will help me guide more properly the nutrition I would recommend for them. Um, but also helping them with like stress management and mindset and making sure that they're getting back to activities um, mm. and getting the proper exercises that they need. And so we worked the whole picture, um, but for treatments that when actually come into my office, um, we definitely do acupuncture and also some other treatments like microcurrent um, therapy or even electroacupuncture just to help um, their pain, depending on what, what they're coming in for. It's yeah. very individualized. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And I've actually interviewed another podcast guest who talks about um, that therapy and pain in particular, which is mind-blowing and so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so many, from what I'm understanding is if someone's in pain, there's so many, there's so much hope there out for them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I mentioned, if they go to the doctor and the flow chart ends, that's not the end of their healing journey. That's not the end of their mm-hmm pain management they can still continue uh, managing this pain so i do have one question before we go into some practical tips is can pain be reversed can can someone come into your office has anyone come into your office they've been in so much pain and all of a sudden they're pain-free yes yeah i would say it's not instant it does take time but it is possible yeah I love that. I love that. I love that yeah. answer. It's kind of yeah. like, it's not instant, it's possible and it can happen, but yeah. you need to put the work into it. So yeah. what would be some practical tips from you, Ali, to the audience mm-hmm. to reduce their pain? Or what would be your top three, let's say? Yeah. Um, first one would be to ditch the junk. Um, food is medicine. And the first thing that people could do is do a pantry clean out. Um, and sticking with the really anti-inflammatory diet, that itself can go a long way to help reducing pain is just to clean up your diet. Um, second one would be movement. Um, and people might think, well, I'm in pain. I just don't want to move. But I didn't come up with this particular phrase, but it's the best to describe it, that motion is lotion. And so if you start moving, you're getting that blood flow into your joints and your muscles and you start feeling better. And so I usually tell people the simplest thing that you can do is to do Tai Chi. And so Tai Chi is very gentle exercise, but it also helps with your mindset as well to help with stress. But there's so many studies out there showing how Tai Chi can help reduce osteoarthritis and inflammation. And so just to, on the journey to spark movement, that's something very simple that you can do that actually has been shown to help um, reduce chronic pain and inflammation. Um, my third one would be get acupuncture. Um, so I know that there's acupuncturists all around the world, but if you don't have one in your area, then I would just say my tip would be to do some research. Like what are some providers in your area that maybe have a more naturopathic viewpoint, or maybe they're like a functional medicine provider, maybe someone that you haven't explored or you're curious about if they could help you to reach out to them and maybe go to a couple different people until you find someone that resonates with you that um, we feel like can help provide you with a holistic approach to care. Because that's the third thing is um, to get help if you're if you feel stuck or feel like there's no hope because I know there's providers in your area that can help. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. And oh, if we had more time, I would have loved to talk about you know how food and diet affects pain. But that was one of the first things that you said is ditch the junk um, and inflammatory. And going back to what you spoke about, if inflammation causes pain, of course you're going to want to get rid of foods that cause that inflammation. Yeah. And that might be one of the root causes of the pain, right? Yeah, could be. Could be. Wonderful. So ditch, ditch, ditch the inflammatory food. Um, Go and see a provider and movement. I absolutely love that. And a lot of people say, I don't want to move. I'm in pain. But you're so right. you got to get moving. got to get moving. I absolutely love, love, love what you shared on today's podcast, Ali. Um, To finish off, I ask all my guests, what is your natural health hack that you may do every single day? or once a month, or something that you do that just gives you optimal energy? Yeah, for me, it's uh, uh, doing the dry sauna. 
sauna therapy is amazing, has so many health benefits. That could be a whole topic on itself, but it's amazing for inflammation, but also for stress relief. So that's something that I do uh, about four to five times a week. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I haven't been to a sauna for a while. Let's jump back on it. That, uh, that gives me a bit of a, yes, I need to go. <laughs> and, and it increases endorphins, which may help with pain, yeah. right? Definitely. So it goes totally Definitely. in, totally in yeah. line with today's podcast. I absolutely love that, Ellie. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with the audience before we close off today's podcast? Um, I'd just like to say that there is hope out there for chronic pain. So if you were listening, um, just know that there are people out there that, that can help you and get you feeling feeling your best. Yeah, and that's all we hear about on Natural Podcast is providing hope to individuals who've lost it and they just go, you know what, I can't do this anymore. But we're here, I interview individuals who are like, no, no, there's so many things that can be done. So it's absolutely amazing that we've got you on the podcast mm-hmm. and all of your notes, show notes will be provided. And you also provided a few um, amazing um, starting point guide to the anti-inflammatory diet, free resource that you'll be able to access. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that. And then you'll be able to find you at on Instagram and your website at startingpointacupuncture.com for any individuals that are in the mm-hmm. States and want to have mm-hmm. phys- uh, face-to-face access with you. Go mm-hmm. for it. Um, so thank you so much for joining us mm-hmm. on Natural Podcast, Ali. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us Natural Podcast. And remember, the missing link between failure and success is your health. The content and information provided here is opinion of Mahela Raguse and is for information purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to provide medical advice or take the place of medical advice or any current treatment you're undertaking. Consult your own medical professionals for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the Natural Health Podcast. It is advised that you consult your doctor or healthcare professional in relation to any health concerns you may be having. Mahela Raguse does not take responsibility for any health consequences which occur from a person listening, viewing, or reading this content. And in a circumstances shall the natural podcast Mahela Raguse any guests or contributors to the natural podcast or any employees associates or affiliates of Mahela Raguse be responsible for damages arising from the information provided on the natural podcast by listening to this podcast you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical conditions in either yourself or others please note if you're taking prescription do not stop your medication or start a new protocol including but not limited supplements diet lifestyle changes without consulting a doctor or healthcare professional. If you or any person has a medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider or seek other professional medical advice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something that you have read or heard on the natural podcast or in any linked materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. Neither Mahela Raguse nor the publisher of this contact takes responsibility for the possible health consequences of any person or persons reading or listening or following the information in educational content.